give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back, the Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act, NBA Draft podcast my name is Corey Tulliba and I am here with my dude garbage time Albert Kim Albert how are we doing today dude I'm doing well um this was one of the hardest assignments you've ever given me because it involves math and although I'm Asian uh math is not always the easiest for me but um dude I'm, I'm excited I, I like that we're doing these like these niche pods these fun like side book pods where we're not just breaking down uh, prospects every week. But th- dude, this is exciting. I'm really curious to hear your list because mine looks pretty interesting and kind of like on brand with the things that I like. So I'm pretty hyped for it. But um, Corey, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing excellent. And um, I, I'm hoping that your list is on brand because what we're doing today ladies and gents, is we are actually going to invest in five prospects in the 2022 NBA draft class. So how are we doing that? Well, if you have not subscribed to the No Ceiling Substack yet, please get on that. And if you go there, you can find stock prices based on a conglomerate of like all of the big boards, right? ESPN, Bleacher Report, SB Nation, you know, stuff like that. What we did is we took the averages and we actually set a stock price. And now if you're familiar with the show, and I'm assuming most of you are, you know that we do that with one specific prospect. Um, But we're actually going to do it with multiple prospects today. And we are charting it throughout the year so we can actually see how stocks fluctuate for these draft prospects. So today we are going based off the draft IPOs, initial player offerings on the Substack. We're going to give ourselves a $50 budget and the price of each player is based on their positioning on the IPO board. So for instance, Chet Holmgren, is number one on the board. That's what he averaged out between ESPN, Bleacher Report, Tankathon, Basketball News, and SB Nation. His price is going to be $30 because he is the number one prospect out of 30. So we're flipping it. We're reversing it. So the the Chets, the Palos, they are going to be the more expensive prospects, even though their average stock price is low. Um, on the other side of it, Marcus Bagley is our 30th, ranked prospect, and he would be $1. So we're giving ourselves $50 to invest out of anybody on the top 30 draft list from the draft act. And we have to fit a roster based on that budget off of those players. So it was actually really challenging, um, especially because and I didn't get to do them. I feel like I ran out of time because I went back to my list and I was trying to fit fit one more guy on there. Uh, I was trying to uh, get Keegan Murray on on my list and and I couldn't. Um, but it was really challenging because I, tr- I was trying to build out an actual team with my list. Like that actually made sense together uh, while also fitting the prices. And it was difficult, but I like my team. 
uh, I'm happy with it. And I think like yours represents you. I think mine probably represents me a little bit. Okay. I am going to give you my list first. And then you can give me yours. And then we'll we'll touch on some of the players. Or we can talk about my list, and then we'll go to your list, and we'll talk about your players. So my first player, one of my big money guys. And I was looking, and Albert, I'm not going to lie. Out of the top 30, the cupboard's kind of bare on point guards in this draft. I kind of feel like the cupboard's bare. I'm going with Kennedy Chandler. Okay, so he costs 17 draft dollars. Mm. He was the 13th ranked prospect on the IPO board. He was $17. His backcourt mate, who cost $19 and was the 11th ranked prospect on the board, Jaden Ivey. At forward, and this is where that took a, a large chunk of my money up. I'm taking Max Christie. So he costs $5. He's the number 26th ranked prospect on the board. At the other forward spot, and this is where you really get a lot of value at this point of the draft, I'm getting Kendall Brown from Baylor. He was the 29th ranked prospect. He cost two draft dollars. And my big man... Um, I took Mark Williams out of Duke. He cost six draft dollars. He was the 25th ranked prospect on the board. So that makes my team Kennedy Chandler, Jaden Ivey, Max Christie, Kendall Brown, and Mark Williams. Again, I really wanted to fit Keegan Murray because his value is excellent. I think he, you know, if we went back to this uh, a week from now and everybody redid their boards, he would be a lot higher, but he's at the 22 uh, slot on the, the IPO board. So that's my, that's my team. Let's uh, let's talk about Kennedy Chandler first. We touched on him a little bit last week, mm-hmm. Tennessee point guard. I watch more of them. I'm buying in obviously, mm. literally mm. in this case, I'm taking $17 out of my $50 budget to buy into Kennedy Chandler, especially because like I said, there's just not a lot of, guards in this draft in general and there's not a lot of point guards i feel like there's a lot of wings um and you know some big men but kennedy chandler he's got to be the number one point guard in in the class right oh i think very easily he is um as you mentioned not you know Corey, i I was uh, i've been thinking about this a lot not just in our top 30 but the draft class as a whole i think we don't have a lot of point guards Mm. you know what i'm saying like classic prototype point guards so kennedy chandler kind of very easily takes that spot for me as well and there's a lot to like there's a lot to like i I think initially everyone likes to talk about his size you know the the lack of it um but i I like him a lot dude the playmaking is real uh the burst he's quick as hell um yeah man like I mean, the shooting. So, okay, Corey, that's a good place to start for us, I think. Uh, you and I, we love shooting. How do you feel about his shooting? Do you feel like what we, we've seen early in the season, small sample size? Uh, I think in the first game, he went like four for four from three or something crazy like that. Yeah. What are your initial thoughts on his three-point shooting? Because, um, yeah, like, do you feel like it's 
too early to tell or what are your initial thoughts? I mean, I let me see what he's actually shooting thus far in the wrong season. But to, to answer your question, I don't think it's too early to tell. And I don't think that it's anything to be worried about. So right now he's shooting, he's six for seven from behind the arc. Sick. The, yeah, that's a great percentage, everyone. Um, <laughs> I think that his shot looks good. He gets great arc, drops in smoothly. He's got a little bit of range. And I think that he's got a good enough handle that he can create space. I don't think he's been tested a whole lot as far as shooting like with a defend, you know, a hand in his face by a defender draped all over him. But he did knock a really tough shot down in that circumstance in his last game. A lot of the first game we mentioned a little bit last week, it was like guys going under him shooting from the Tennessee logo, which sounds further than it actually is because the tennis I mean Tennessee is a really long word and it's just spelled right. out across the middle of the court so it actually doesn't go as far as you know your mind might uh or it mm-hmm. goes further than your mind might think it does but still like defender a little bit a little bit of cushion fire away but it's good enough that you have to guard it and that's a problem for a defense because you talked about his burst he's got that first step he's got that Uh, ability to just blow by you. And when he does, it's the playmaking, right? So you have to play up on him. And I think that he's, he's a threat out there. He shot it well, or, you know, well enough Uh, in the FIBA tournaments, everybody kind of struggles a little bit with the shooting. It's a different ball, you know, that whole thing. But um, yeah, I'm not worried about a shot at all. I think it's a plus skill for him. And I think it opens up the rest of his game, which is, is tough. It, it's tough to guard. Mm-hmm. You do, I, I definitely agree with you that um, just from what we've seen, yeah, it does look pretty good. Um, I, I think I'm a, li- a little hesitant just for me. This is a personal thing. Of course. Um, I feel like I want to see a little bit more from him. I, it's not that I'm doubting him. I just, I don't know. I'm scared to make a decision this early, I think for me personally. But dude, I mean, we talk about the passing, the playmaking, the speed, the handle. I mean, it's very clear that he's going to be point guard number one in this one. Um, but yeah, I do wonder, Corey, and now this is more of a question for me to ask mm-hmm. you, like almost like a personal thing. How do you think NBA teams are evaluating size right now? Like right now, we look at the NBA and there are tons of small guards and they are extremely successful. But I was wondering like, if you had any intel on what you think NBA teams think about when they are looking at their offensive hubs like are they more open to smaller guys like a kennedy chandler and if that's true not that max abemus is a playmaker on the on that level but do you feel like if that is the trend and teams are more open to smaller guys does that create possibly an opportunity for more small guys to move up draft boards and get selected higher it's interesting you brought that up and one of the reasons i really wanted keegan murray um and why I took Kendall Brown is I've been kind of workshopping an idea in that look at a lot of the players that are having early success in their rookie seasons, right? Scotty Barnes, jacked up, big physical guy. Franz, big Mm -hmm. physical guy. Josh Giddy, you know, he's a big dude. He may not be physical, you know, as physical as the other two guys, but he's also not a pushover in that regard. I wonder, like, 
how much we're actually trending in that direction as far as the kind of success that you see early on and some of these smaller guys, some of the guys that maybe aren't there physically, Jalen Green, are are struggling a little bit more so because they're they're having to rely on skill and decision-making where their physical gifts aren't necessarily making up for it as much. Um, so it's an idea I'm workshopping, and I think Chandler, I mean, for his size, I think he's probably going to be a physical guard because he's he looks like he's a bit stocky. Um, yeah, I agree. Not, not necessarily in like a Kyle Lowry type of way, mm-hmm. but you know, he's not like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Max Aismith. He's not like that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he's, I feel like he's tiny. Whereas Chandler, I feel like can hold his own physically to a, to an extent, to a point. Kemba ish. Kemba ish. Yeah. Um, but so I, I, I think that goes against a point for Chandler, but I do think Chandler offers a skill set on the offensive side of the ball because he can shoot it. And I actually think he's been finishing really well. He showed a lot of craft and just a lot of like, like he's got some hang time to his game. He knows how to use English and stuff. Right. I don't know how early it'll translate in his rookie, you know, season to see if he's actually going to make it. Maybe he spends some time in the G league and whatnot, but I do love his skill level and his ability to run a team. And I think his shot is there, but as far as the, I feel like we're trending the opposite way, especially with mm-hmm. the new rules, right? The I mean, you see a lot of these these small guards who were kind of getting bailed out by the the ticky tack fouls who started out the season struggling. So we might be trending the other way, where it's more like big physical jumbo sized guys who have multiple skills who are really the guys that NBA teams want. I don't know what that means for Chandler and his his actual draft stock on draft night because there's not a lot of guards. And I feel like at, at some point in the lottery, a team is going to be like, we need a point guard. Mm. And it only takes one, one team to do that. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of feel like we're going the other way, which makes it weird that he's one of my big money guys. But I just, there's just not a lot of point guards that I really like in this draft all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, at this price where we're at with the first price right. for these guys. So I took him because I, I really like watching him play. I like how he plays the game and I like his skill set. Mm. No, I definitely agree with you, man. I think that's why when I was building out my roster, I actually didn't take Chandler and I went kind of a different route because of exactly what you're describing. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, when we're, when we're looking at the league now, I mean, look at the early success of an Evan Mobley. I mean, we can't say enough about how awesome he's been. It's unfortunate that he went down with that injury. I think it was an elbow injury, but we talk about a guy like Evan Mobley and, you know, shouts to everybody out there who is high on Evan Mobley and everybody is looking for their flowers and wants the acclaim for being early on Evan Mobley. Meanwhile, everybody seemed to like Evan Mobley. So I don't understand why everyone's thirsting for that kind of praise. It's so <laughs> strange to me not to be a hater, but Corey, I mean, come on, like we were all, who wasn't high on Evan Mobley? Like I'm, I'm really confused by like everyone on their podcast being like, Hey, I told you guys. Evan Mobley is going to be great. We're like, all right, dude. So did everybody on planet Earth who has working eyes and a brain. You know, Corey, maybe you and I weren't like Evan Mobley is going to be. Maybe we didn't expect him to be this good, but we knew he was an extremely talented player. I believe he was the first prospect that we that we covered. And if you go back and listen to the pod and we saw the playmaking, we saw the defensive versatility. We saw the shooting, you know, so I, I don't get it. Like everybody wants to take the stage and be like, look at me, look at me. But it was kind of obvious that this guy was going to be awesome. Can I, 
I don't think it's a, I don't know if it's a hot take. Sure. Because part of me also, I, I didn't expect him to look like Kevin Garnett. Same. I still don't know if he's a number one option on a championship team. <laughs> Agreed. And, Agreed. And Kevin Garnett wasn't either. Uh, and look, maybe you want to say prime Kevin Garnett was, and if you flip him with Tim Duncan, you know, and give him actual players instead of like Terrell Brandon and, you know, <laughs> Latrell Sprewell. Anthony Peeler. Because <laughs> when he had a little bit of help in Sam Cassell and uh, mm-hmm. and Sprewell, you know, he was MVP. Russian a, deep, a, yeah. a deeper playoff run, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if he's that number one option, but just because offensively, defensively, yeah. he looks like he's going to be the best defensive player in the league. Right. And I definitely felt like his upside was like, better offensive version of Rudy Gobert. And obviously that is the dream for a big man. Right. But we should be pumping Evan Mobley stock. We should be pumping Scotty Barnes stock, but we shouldn't be selling off our Jalen Green and Kate Cunningham stock. Yeah. No. We should actually be buying more. Corey, I have a I have a serious question for you. Okay. Yep. Who's the GM of the Jazz? Do you know who the GM of the Jazz is? Um uh, whatever. It's Corey Tulliba. Okay. Okay. All right. Ready? So you're the GM of the Jazz, and the Cleveland Cavaliers come calling, right? And they say, uh, We'll give you Evan Mobley for Rudy Gobert straight up. And you, but remember, your goal is to win a championship right now, right now, right now. We're we're not thinking long term. Don't think about long term, five years, 10 years from now. You're trying to win a championship right now. Do you trade Rudy Gobert for Evan Mobley? Um, if I'm the if I'm the the Jazz, yeah, would I rather have Evan Mobley, right, or Rudy Gobert, right? I'd rather have Evan Mobley, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that says a lot, right? And exactly, and that, exactly. That says a lot because I think that offensively he can do a little bit. You can count on him to do a little bit more, and and he mm-hmm. he won't get played off the floor as much as Rudy, Rudy can right. to an extent. And you could talk right. about the screen assists and the finishing, the offensive rebound and all of that. But at the end of the day, like you can't count on him to step into a jump shot and knock it down. And when things get tight, I feel like, and you know, look, we don't know what Evan Mobley necessarily looks like in close games in that situation. He played pretty well against the the Celtics the other night and, right. and, and show that off. But I feel like you can, you can kind of give him a shot and, and feel okay with him taking that shot mm-hmm. whereas yeah, I, I think yeah. that the offense is limited with with gobert right. a little bit right but it, it is an interesting question if you think about it like if i'm trying to win the title this year do yep. i take year one evan mobley or keep going rudy gobert so well, yeah here, and here, here's why here's another reason why i'll say mobley and that and mobley might be the wrong answer by the way right <laughs> you know i've already seen the outcome with gobert right <laughs> Right, the Clippers, yeah. I already know. I know the answer to the question. So, like, there's no part of me that really thinks, like, the Jazz are going to win the title. Because I don't know, I don't think they could beat the best teams in the West in a playoff setting. And if they do, I don't think they can beat whoever comes out of the East. I've been wrong before, but, you know, Mm -hmm. many, many a time. But, yeah, Yeah. I I think just... I, I. 
I'm not saying that Mobley would give you the same level of defense because mm-hmm. you also we also have to realize like he's playing with Jared Allen, right? And that's a a monstrously long, versatile defensive front court that is definitely allowing Mobley an easier time than if he was just thrown and thrusted into being a starting center on a team. And I know he's playing well in those minutes and it makes all the things that he does even more devastating. The, the short roll passing and playmaking, you know, the, the ability to stretch the floor, all of that making him a lob target, all of that, it makes it more deadly, but it's also more wear and tear. He doesn't have the body that Gobert has right now. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a different scenario, and you can't really, you know, apples to oranges it. But exactly, yeah. But I've seen I've seen what Gobert has, and I think I'd take the chance on Mobley. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to throw it at you, see what you'd say. It's I, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know what the right answer is either. I don't even know what I would choose, but it's interesting to think about. You know, year one, Evan Mobley, and you know what? The last point that you made, I think, is the most interesting part of it. We've we're seeing him play next to. Jared Allen, as you mentioned, right? What he yep. looks like as the absolute anchor of your defense, we we just haven't seen enough. And he doesn't have the same physicality that Gobert does. Like people, I, I wonder if like people give Gobert enough credit for the amount of like mass that he's added. Like he's really he's bulked up from year he's one, you know? Yep. So he's a big dude. And I, you know, I don't I don't think we need a Mobley to get to that big, but it will would be good and cool to see him add more mass for sure but mm-hmm. yeah anyway i don't even know how we got here but um <laughs> i love it i absolutely love it um oh, all right let's talk about Jaden ivy yes 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 because he's he's my next guy and honestly i at first i'm like uh, i'm not like all the way in on Jaden ivy like some people are so it's like all right why are you investing in him and it's like i think that he's a stock that could explode um so, like, I, I think it's worth the, the, the chance, and, and especially at the price point and how it fit in with the rest of my team. I'm not seeing a lot of the jaw. Yeah. Oh, and I get it, because he looked, you know, same kind of hair, and he right. does have he does have some bounce, and he's yeah. he's got he's got some of the jaw stuff. I see that. Mm-hmm. I see it. Um, I don't know if he has a perfect comp, but his handle is a little loosey goosey at times for me, mm-hmm. but, but he really reminds me of like a raw version of Zach Levine. Like if you molded Zach Levine and John ja Moran into one player, cause mm-hmm. Ja was always kind of polished when he came in, you know, that's why mm-hmm. he was kind of awesome from the jump and Zach Levine was not awesome from the jump. So it's like, if you just molded those two together and kind of made them one player, that's the kind of vibe I get. Now Zach Levine is one of the best, you know, scorers in the league, efficient, right get smooth and get to his shots. John Morant, you know, made a leap. He looks like uh, Derek Rose in year three. Not quite right. as good. We're, we're all forgetting how good <laughs> Derek Rose was. MVP. Any opportunity. <laughs> Any opportunity I can. Seeing him was like on a basketball court live was like seeing an alien play basketball live. But um, I really like Jaden Ivey as a prospect. I mm-hmm. do think there's a little bit more bust potential than maybe we're seeing talking about in the early going because he's been very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when I say bust, I mean more like not play his way into like the top seven, which okay. it seems like a lot of people think maybe he can. 
and he can, and maybe he can, but a lot of people seem a little bit more certain of that than I am. But I'm taking him because I do like the potential, and I have to make it work with the money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought he's, you know, he's a fair price for for what you're getting out of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm definitely going to try to see him live this year to to, to get yeah. an in person look to see if that changes my mind at all. But I know you're a big Ivy guy. I'm a big Ivy guy. I like Ivy because is he, he is surprised he, me. Is he on your? Mm-mm. your roster not on your roster no. i love that i can't wait to share my roster with you because it was inspired by your chicago bulls but anyway we'll table that for now um i i like ivy because in during the u19s he showed me some versatility that i wasn't sure of mm-hmm. um i think i thought like I, I really like the stuff he was doing off the ball like i know all the highlights are the stuff that he was doing on ball and in transition and all that stuff but i i really enjoyed what he did, did off ball I think mm. he showed a, a real savviness with his cutting, um, his work rate off the ball. Um, I just, I really didn't know that he was like that. Um, and the shooting, I think, has progressed nicely. I, I think he's per, he's trending in the right direction with his shooting. Uh, do I think he's a dead eye sniper? Absolutely not. But when we're talking about a guy who's that athletic with his size, um, yeah. and, and a guy who has that type of versatility, if he can get his shot to a decent level then I'm, I'm excited about a guy like that, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. I, 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 but I'm with you. I'm definitely not like Simon Rath right now. I'm not Hawks draft yeah. in terms yep. of the love for him, but I'm definitely high. Like I, I do enjoy him very, very much. It's just, I, the U19 stuff kind of blew me away. I was really surprised was awesome. by how, yeah, he was, he was awesome. I, I was really, really um, impressed by him. And I was like, if he can do that, where he can play on ball, off ball, and, you know, even defensively, all that stuff he was doing, it was exciting. Like him getting into the passing lanes was pretty exciting oh, yeah. as well. And yeah, he can be a disruptor. The antici- right. The disruption, the anticipation. And then once he's in the open floor, like forget about it, he's gone, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot to like there. So I'm with you. I, I, I'm actually surprised that you took him and I didn't. But once again, my team, the inspiration behind my team is kind of weird. But um, I'm with you. He's a very, very interesting prospect. And I'm excited to see how he plays out the year. All right. Max Christie, 26th on the mm-hmm. IPO board. We talked a little bit about Christie. He hasn't set the world on fire yet, uh, shooting 30% from three on 10 cool. attempts. It's only been two games. Uh, three for 10 overall in the first game, two for eight in the second game. Not a whole lot of stocks, stealing blocks. Um, looked a little bit just kind of like run to the corner, right? Right. Uh, it's early for Christie. Again, he's ranked pretty pretty far below, but I love his shot. And even though it hasn't dropped, that thing is it's beautiful, right? And it's he's going to be a a good shooter. I liked his physical tools because, like I said, in person, like he looked like he had a good frame. You know, thick legs, long, little heavy foot, but can make up for it with length in in certain circumstances. For the price, I think he's he's a pretty good value at, at at that price. Christie's the one guy you and I both had. Okay. Um, as you mentioned, at the price of what would we pay five dollars for him? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I couldn't pass on that. It's unbelievable value for five bucks. I've done way worse with five dollars in my life than take Max Christie in this draft <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, I I love the dude. He's an absolutely beautiful shooter, and we've got so many of them in this draft class. But he was the best value in terms of all the shooters. 
um that we we had in this exercise so it was an easy take for me i'm with yep. you dude i love his size he's like what six five six six right he's he's uh, yeah i he's he's listed at six seven on tankathon and whoa yeah he looks is he, he looks tall he, he looked big on the floor man wow okay he, he looks big shocking. on the floor when i saw him in person um one of the one of the things that i wrote about with him was like i i think his feet are a little heavy a little slow a little yeah little awkwardness right. to him defensively but that's cool like he's gonna work on that and he's at the perfect school to work on that um in high school you saw like the weak side block stuff he would like two hand tomahawk block some stuff which is cool that he has that type of like aggression to him but like we talked about like we have to get him out of the corner like in, in that yes. first game uh, it's against kansas like why is he just sitting in the corner all day yeah i, I it's just not fun. And that's not the type of player that he is. He's not just a, he's not Davis Bertans. Like get the guy, mm. you know, get the ball in his hands and let him do some stuff, you know? And so yeah. I'm with you. Right. Right. Because he has that ability. He's not some unbelievable passer, but he's got some passing to him and we'd like to see him do a little bit more. He's got a nice handle too. Not that he's, you know, God sham God, right. Rod Strickland, but he's got a good handle. So I'm, I'm excited to see him do a little bit more with that as well. So yeah, he's the one guy you and I both took. I, I think Christie might be a good example of kind of like the disconnect between evaluating a college player in a draft setting and evaluating a college player in a college basketball setting. Okay. Where it's like, there is some very easy and clear projection with what you could picture him being in the NBA and his role and what he could maybe do with the ball in his hands versus maybe what his role might be in college. And it's like, is he going to be the type of guy that, that falls, that slides a little bit, almost like a lot of the Kentucky guards, because he doesn't get to show the bag, and then he gets to the NBA, and you're like, whoa, Max Christie can score out of you know, pick and roll? Like He's got a little bit of off-the-bounce game. We're two games in. I don't know if he's you know going to be pegged in that role for the entire season, but he could be a guy that like he just drops a little bit and you look at his physical tools and and the raw basketball tools and then he's really good and you're like oh how did we miss this and it's like oh because that's not he wasn't being used at Michigan State so he could get drafted he was being used in a way at Michigan State that Tom Izzo thought was going to win them the most basketball games right mm-hmm. so I, that's there, he could be one of those prospects where there's a little bit of disconnect between those two, the push pull and, and uh, hopefully not, hopefully he just balls out, but uh, right. he, it's possible based on the early results that I could see that kind of scenario. Yeah. I, I mean, Corey, really quickly. I mean, we also get guys who are the opposite, right? Guys who mm. shine in college because they're yes. set up by their coaches to shine in college, Mateen Cleaves. Um, and then <laughs> they get to the NBA and they're not the same. So, yeah, yep. <laughs> we're getting a lot of good, names out today i got you Corey. you know we you know how my lot. brain works i know, you know how my brain works you got the best references everyone knows that <laughs> um all right kendall brown i mean so far he's probably the best value on the board because he cost two dollars he was the 29th ranked player on the the draft ipos this kid out of baylor has been freaking fun this he jumps out of the gym springboards for legs and the passing in the last game you know 10 assists Mm. he 
he's like this the new age multi-skilled like he's like six nine rebounds the ball runs out in transition you know not really a shooter but he could attack closeouts and when the defense comes over and shifts and, and tries to help he makes plays out of it uh, he, his progress is going to be really fun to watch mm-hmm. those are fun tools and like i said he's got that strong frame you know his frame almost reminds me not quite as much because i think that i think blake was more built you know mm-hmm. and he had like thicker legs Okay. But like uh Brown doesn't look like he's got crazy like long arms. Like um, I don't know what his wingspan is going to measure out at and like when you look at at Blake he didn't, you know, he doesn't have like that crazy wingspan either. So it's a little bit it's a little bit Blake Griffiny. Um mm. I don't think he's going to have the same cuz like I said I don't think he's like as physical as as strong as Blake and and Blake was just a special level of skill mm-hmm. on top of it, you know, mm-hmm. fluid footwork, all of that. But I really like what I've seen from Kendall Brown so far. And and mm-hmm. he's been the guy at Baylor that's that shined the the brightest, in my opinion. I actually thought you were going to say like a Tyrese Thomas. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's the Chicago Bull in you. Um, but OK, I, I'm actually an idiot. Kendall Brown is another guy that I had. So. Okay. This, this is good. It's it's fine. When we get to my list, I'll just talk about the three guys that you don't have. But well, yeah, Kendall yeah. Brown, yeah, Kendall Brown was easy, dude. Kendall Brown, as you mentioned, so like I tried to build my team with playmakers, and mm-hmm. uh, Kendall Brown is one of those. Like the guy's yeah. obviously he's like a funk, weird, funky game to him. He yep. can create, he can rebound, he can defend. He's going to do all kinds of things. Obviously, the shooting we have, you know, question marks, and we're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, pretty big question marks, right? But that's okay. Yeah, that's absolutely. okay. I mean. Right, we're we're not about, we're not taking. Yeah. If we didn't have those question marks, mm-hmm. he'd be like, right, exactly. You know, top ten guy, mm-hmm. forty bucks. <laughs> Maybe you know, not so, even. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, and then as we speak uh, right now, he's got eleven points in in the first half, two rebounds, a steal. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude. I mean, bouncy athlete, really, really bouncy, dude. As you wrote in your in your column but you that that shows but the playmaking has been a lot of fun you mentioned all the assists that he collected in that last game but you know you kind of want guys like that in in the nba now you want Mm -hmm. guys who even if they you know are lacking a little bit of the shooting if they can show a little bit of that and work on that and get better at that then you kind of take the sum of the parts and you say is this a net positive positive and from what i've seen from kendall brown he looks like he's going to be a net positive so He's a very interesting guy as a big playmaker, um, jumbo playmaker, if I go with your terms, uh, yeah. as uh, he is a part of that wave. But um, yeah, man, I- I'm really into in- into Kendall Brown. I'd like to see more. Obviously, want to see him play against tougher competition, see sure. how that trends for sure. But um, a very, very interesting guy to watch. And I'd like to see him. I want to see more of that defensive versatility, too want to see him defend multiple positions more and how that goes as the season goes on. Obviously, Baylor known for their defense, so that's going to be fun to watch as well. But um, yeah, yeah, I I like him a lot too. He looks to me currently at pick 12. He looks like the Raptors are just licking their chops. What a weird team that'll be. Just getting so excited to get this man on the squad just so they can trot out the six, eight, six, nine versatile Scotty Barnes, Kendall Brown, 
Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, precious lineup. They and look the like they're just Banton guy too. Banton, yeah, they look like they're chomping at the bit Jesus. to make this happen. I don't even know what would happen. The mm. the world will explode if, <laughs> if that, Jesus if that happens. Weird team. My final guy was Mark Williams. A lot of it on price. Oh, a wait, lot of it. What? Oh, you had Mark Williams too. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, I got Mark Williams. It looks this sucks. <laughs> well, no, it's fine because you got two other. You have so you have we have three of the the five. Yeah. I oh think that those were kind of obvious guys a little bit because yeah. at the price point, it was the most value that you're going to get there. Like Mark Val- uh, Mark Williams cost $6. He was the 25th ranked prospect on the draft IPOs. Again, based off of a conglomeration average of ESPN, Bleacher Report, Basketball News, SB Nation, Tankathon. And uh, for the value. And, and the fact that, again, like there's not a ton of centers. Yeah. There's not a lot of centers in the draft. Now, he's mm-hmm. been, for me, as expected. For some other people, I think maybe disappointing because I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a guy who played 30 minutes per game because last year he, he played limited minute that he was looking really good in the preseason and whatnot. But... uh when I saw him in person, I was like, yep, rebounds, block shots, finishes on pick and rolls. And, uh, you know, I think that he's the kind of guy that'll look better in the NBA than he does at Duke because Duke's spacing this year is, it's pretty tough. They don't have shooters. They got talent, but they don't got guys that can consistently knock down shots. And Paolo likes to work in that mid-range, so that's a little clogged up. You know, they're not going to run a lot of spread, pick, and roll. But I think that value-wise, where he's at, I think that that's a pretty good value. He'll probably finish around that in if things go this way in the actual, you know, real final draft rankings. Maybe he moves up a couple of spots. Maybe he, you know, stays stagnant. Maybe drops a couple of spots. But I think low ver- level of variance like i don't i don't think he's going to come out of nowhere duke has too many guys for mark williams to come along and start averaging 20 points a game but i think for the value i think i think it's a solid solid value play yeah man i mean we got him for what six bucks yeah so that's excellent value i think with him he kind of reminds me of mitchell robinson mm-hmm. seven footer with bounds who has unbelievable reach uh who can block shots at you know, normal people should not be able to reach. Yep. Um, in that first game against Kentucky, he he swatted one where everyone's like, that has to be a goaltending. And you watch the replay, and it's like, no, he just he just went and put his head at the top of the backboard. So um, <laughs> he's one of those guys, yep. for sure. The thing that to watch out for him, I think, is going to be the foul trouble. For yes. sh- uh, Clearly, the foul trouble stuff is going to be something to watch. And then also no injuries. You know, when you talk about guys that big, that athletic and, you know, not like the most physically fit, I mean, not fit, but he's not like jacked out of his mind. I feel like those guys are right. Those guys are more inclined to injury um, for sure. And as a Nick fan, we watch Mitchell Robinson almost break his knees every time he jumps up for a block. Nerland's Noel as well. (laughs) Nerland's Noel is another thing. Like that dude is unbelievably skinny. Like I've never seen legs that thin scary man i think ever yeah scary so, skinny. yeah it's unbelievable but anyway um mark williams i like a lot I, I had to take him because as you mentioned there is kind of like a a shortage of 
centers here and like if I look at the rest of my team like he just kind of made sense yep. with everybody else because I have multiple playmakers on my team so I felt like he would just eat just attack in the rim obviously you're not going to ask him to do any type of um like decision making out of the short roll or anything like that you just send him all the way to the rim and you throw it up and hope he makes something of it but um yep. yeah yeah easy to take Mark Williams at that price no doubt all right so you got two other mm-hmm. prospects um, yeah. We had we we both had Christy Brown and Williams, and now right. you got two different prospects. I had Ivy and Chandler. Who right. is your first prospect um, that differs from mine? Yeah, it, it's funny. Like you and I, we, we took the same value, guys, because the value was unbelievable at those prices. So the inspiration behind my team is the 2021-2022 Chicago Bulls. I tried to not take a bona fide point guard and mm-hmm. went with some bigger playmakers. Okay. Um. So... So what I did was obviously I took Kendall Brown, Christie, and Mark Williams. The two guys that I took in between are Ty Ty Washington mm-hmm. and Jabari Smith. Um, okay. I thought a team of Kendall Brown, Ty Ty Washington, and Jabari Smith was more than enough playmaking for me, even without a point guard. Um, okay. Was kind of where my head was at. These guys can play on ball, off ball. Ty Ty Washington, I'll start there. And I want to hear what you think about him too. Um, Ty Ty Washington for me is like a classic, really good basketball player, which is like the dumbest thing I could say in a podcast. But he's just a guy that you like watch him play. There's nothing like cool or flashy about him. He's not like the most handsome dude. His hair doesn't look great on him. His body looks a little awkward. He doesn't, he's not like super athletic at all, but he just figures out a way to be a really good basketball player on the floor. I've always loved guys like that who have so much finesse, even if they lack a little bit of the athleticism. I love the finesse guys. And Ty Ty Washington was born to be loved by me because he he is a guy who can do so much. He's a playmaker on the ball. He's currently for Kentucky. He's pretty much their de facto backup point guard. You know, Mm -hmm. when, um, what's the other fool's name? What's that guy's name? Um, Who's their point guard right now? Uh, the small guy. Severe Wheeler, right? Yeah, yes. Wheeler. When he's out of the game, then Ty Ty Washington takes over, and he has been doing a lot for Kellen Grady, finding him on the weak side as a shooter, letting Grady kind of just be a shooter right now, which is, you know, shouts to Grady because that is an adjustment for him. He was kind of the main guy at Davidson, you know, catching mm-hmm. passes for my boy Hyun Jung Lee. But, um, you know, now, uh, yeah, Kellen Grady's kind of shooting from there. But anyway, I like Ty Ty a lot. I think he's got good size for the position. I think he can do on-ball, off-ball stuff. Obviously, he's lacking a little bit, I think, defensively, but that's okay because I have Mark Williams, Kendall Brown, and Jabari Smith. But uh, before I get to Jabari, what are your thoughts on Ty Ty? Because obviously I might be his biggest fan. I might love him more than his parents. You do love you love Ty Ty. I like Ty Ty. Um, I like see, I can envision Ty Ty in the NBA. And and I like that you said like not you didn't go for like traditional point guard. Cause he doesn't seem like that. Like to me, Ty Ty is like a shot maker. And mm. he's a guy who's like we mentioned last week, he's a one and a half. He's he's right. gonna you can kind of play him next to, you know, a point guard and let him go. I think he's he's got the size and the length to kind of guard twos and whatnot. And then you could also let him run point a little bit, kind of, you know, grab and go, bring the ball up the floor, take outlets, make plays where there's, you know, more space. He'll I think he'll make plays at a pick and roll, especially because of the threat of a shot. But, you know, he's not necessarily the guy you want making, you know, you don't want him directing your offense for for 35 minutes in a night, but I like him. I love his shot. I love his form. 
and I love his ability to fit and play off ball. And when you look, you know, you got Jabari Smith, Christy Brown. I mean, you know, between Brown, Smith, and and Ty Ty, you got your playmaking, and and you know, it's enough. It's enough there. And uh, I like how he'll spread the floor for that lineup. So mm-hmm. I like Ty Ty. You know, I was I was DMing with um friend of the pod Kyle Mann the other day. Mm. Uh, mm trying to get a feel for how he felt about this this Kentucky team he's mm. optimistic we'll have okay. to uh we'll have to try to get him back on the pod for for the Kentucky episode mm-hmm. but yeah I don't know I don't quite like Ty Ty as much as you but I, I right I think that he makes sense in this in this lineup and when you're investing in him I mean you got Ty Ty for what, 12 bucks 12, I think 12 bucks I mean mm-hmm. that's a that's a value play I thought right. about it. I thought about taking Ty Ty because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I actually, I actually wanted to take the lineup that you took. And then when I was, I was trying to get, I was trying to take Jabari Smith mm-hmm. and play Keegan Murray right next to him in the front court. And I was going to need to do some finagling and take, maybe take Ty Ty, but I really wanted Kennedy Chandler. And I figured mm-hmm. you were going to take Ty Ty because I know you love that dude. Mm-hmm. All right. Talk to me about Jabari Smith. <laughs> uh no just really quick 24 dollars. yeah okay so jabari smith i love jabari smith and i'm like a little upset with myself that i'm so late on this like i wish i'd seen more of him before the season and fallen in love sooner Mm -hmm. i know our boy uh pierre uh peewee the plug Yes, sir. Um, I know he absolutely loves Jabari. Shout out and, the highlights through the wire. Yeah, shouts to you guys. I, you know, and I do want to say really quickly, I don't think I've ever said this on the pod. Pierre is an unbelievable champion and supporter of people. Yes. Like, I, I've just been so impressed by that. Like, not just impressed, but like really honored and humbled by it. Like, I, I, I say this all the time and it's not like some weird, like, like weird feigning humility type of thing. Like I really do feel like a nobody all the time, but Pierre's constantly shouting out what you and I do, Corey, everything that no ceilings is doing. He's been a huge fan of everything that we do. So I kind of wanted to give Pierre a shout out because that dude is really smart and he really knows his basketball. And the fact that he's such a huge fan of ours and supported has supported us. Like it feels like since day one, I just really wanted to thank him for that. But um, sorry, getting back to Jabari, he, he's like, Okay, Corey, imagine Jabari in the NBA in like 1998. Like that's a really, I I was thinking about that this week because I'm a freaking loser and I think about 90s basketball a lot. But I imagine like Jabari Smith in 98 going against like Eldon Campbell and Sean Rooks, like how Jabari Smith would just absolutely eat against those guys. Because like the thing about Jabari that I love is like he's so, he's really agile. But he doesn't always look agile. It's like a weird thing with him. Like, I don't know. Like, who's like an underrated four from that time? Like, Antonio McDice. How many people talk about Antonio McDice? Well, here's my thing. I feel like Mm -hmm. people don't talk about Antonio McDice because of the injuries. Right. Because. Who knows that better than us, right? I I feel like when were the injuries in Denver? Is that when they started? Yeah, and then the Knicks traded for him. So They did. That was classic. Vintage early 2000s Knicks, but I feel like McDice was like he was looked at as like the the precursor to Amari before before Amari before the knee stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when you're because he was bound, McDice was awesome. But yeah, um, 
sorry, really quick. So Jabari, so we're Jabari. The shooting looks awesome. What the hell? Like yeah. some of the stuff he's doing, like, I mean, he just he's just pulling up from three and it's and it looks great and awesome. And defensively, I love him defensively. What in the hell's going on there? He he moves his feet better than Max Christie. Um oh, at, at his side. Yeah, at his size, it's unbelievable how great he is. So once again, kind of going back to the agility, mobility, like that type of stuff is so exciting with him. I don't have it with me. Is Jabari Smith like he's six ten? Is am I right in that? Uh, I think that's what they list him at. I don't know. Okay, how do you feel? You think he's like six ten, six nine? At least six nine. Okay. Okay. I mean, he looks he looks big on the floor. Hmm. I mean, I don't. Yeah, but anyway, so with six ten, I, okay, I he's probably cl- he's close, right? Okay, he's close enough. Yeah, but like if you combine six ten size with that kind of shooting, and not just the shooting, the confidence in the yeah. shooting is unbelievable. This guy has no fear; he lets it fly. He's no fear, no shame. But anyway, I was just thinking like that skill set against the guys in the nineties, like him going up against like Clarence Weatherspoon, Jesus Christ, he would eat him, just destroy <laughs> Clarence Weatherspoon if he was there back then. But anyway, um, he's, he, he's such a beautiful player because he's got like the modern NBA skills that you want, but he's also like extremely mobile and mm-hmm. agile. And it's like at that size, if you're doing that type of stuff, it's, it's shocking. It's really shocking. So for me, like I, his price, I got him at like what twenty four bucks. Like, mm. oh man, like I'd pay yeah. fifty bucks for this kid. Yep. He's unbelievable, and um, yeah, I'm really excited to see him play the whole season because he's a freak, an absolute freak. And so I, I'm with you, Pierre. I'm with you. I know Corey, you love him too. So I'm all in on Jabari Smith. This guy's a, he's an animal. Yeah, like I said, I, I I comped him to a modern day Taj Gibson, and it sounds like an undersell. But a mod one again. Taj is yeah. literally playing rotation minutes for a playoff team in 2021 today. And Taj came in as like a 24 year old rookie. So you know mm. you're looking at somebody who was polished and and whatnot. And I'm saying that about a 18, 19 year old kid. Mm. Um, now i I watched his I watched his high school games, his AAU games, because he was playing with JD Davison, Matthew Cleveland, right. And I was like, all right, he's got some skills. He's got some tools, but he's shown that he put in work yeah. in the off season God. and he's showing some new stuff. And it's funny. I was watching, um, one of his games, maybe it was a second game. And, uh, for as good as he was in the first half, there were a lot of moments where I was like, little overzealous, getting a little out of position, going for the home run play a little bouncy, a little jumpy on pump fakes. And then in my head, I'm like, dude, you're not trying to coach against him in the second half. You're you're rating him as a draft prospect. It's fucking awesome that he's overzealous. He's so into it, and that's a good thing, and he's going to stop doing that as he gets better at the college game and then eventually the NBA game. It's not like, right. like don't look at the little micro mistakes. Mm-hmm. Look at him in the macro sense and the tools and and what he offers on that end, because he's still been awesome regardless. I mean, he's got seven blocks, you know, or steals rather, um, you know, block between the blocks and the steals. I mean, outrageous. He's doing everything, barely missed any shots. I mean, he's bringing the ball up the floor. I think he's, his body's a little bit, I think he's got like a better frame than maybe 
even people have given him credit for because mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. people are like oh he's a little bit skinny i think he's got a pretty good frame like it's gonna it's yeah gonna i agree pretty, i think he's gonna fill out nicely i don't know i don't think he's gonna be you know come in the nba and start being you know evan mobley you know version two a, a year mm-hmm. later because i think that you know we're trying to be like oh does he look 610 you know what is he 69 610 it's like mobley's like legit seven foot with that like right. seven five wingspan he doesn't have the wingspan and, and that matters when you get to like the upper tier sometimes like those physical traits they do matter but either way like he's a guy he's going to play four i think he'll be able to play small ball five eventually and you can kind of run him out and switch him and he's another one of those guys like talking about you know why scotty barnes has been successful franz like he looks like he's going to have the physicality and, and like the frame and the skill set to be that jumbo kind of wing big hybrid that allows him to come in and I think be pretty good right away in the NBA uh, just because I think he's, he's built for it um, skill wise and, and physicality wise. So yeah, I, I can't wait to watch the rest of the the draft cycle for him and, and see mm. what, what he turns out. And I, I, right. I was a little weary because I, I hated that Auburn team last year mm-hmm. and I loved Sharif. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really like I like Flanagan and Flanagan's still not even you know he's not even back yet mm-hmm. but they have some interesting pieces on this Auburn team and it looks like it fits a little smoother like I feel mm-hmm. like Jabari is actually what people really were trying to talk themselves into JT Thor being right mm-hmm. right you know and then mm-hmm. you see like Jabari actually doing this stuff and you're like okay that's what it looks like when we don't have to talk ourselves into it I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. And well, shots to JT Thor. I think he's he's playing pretty well in the G League, right? He, did, he um, had a huge game yeah. recently in the G yeah. League, thirty points. But yeah, dude, I'm <clears throat> I'm a hundred percent with you. The body, I love. Uh, weird to say, but um, you're the body. I, guy. I, I, Everyone knows yeah, that. yeah, I'm the body guy. Uh, I, I I like it a lot. And then like you know, if I look at how I constructed my team, it was it, it really was inspired by the Bulls. Like we have a bunch of big playmakers. We have guys who can shoot it. There's some balance there. I don't really have a Vucevic, but maybe Jabari's my Vucevic here. And then I have like Mark Williams as like, what would your team look like if you guys kept Daniel Gafford type of thing? Mm-hmm. You know yep. what I'm saying? Um so yeah, I really like this team a lot because I get my boy Ty Ty. I figured out how to get Ty Ty and Jabari on yep. the same team. I think the pick and roll between those two with Christy sitting in either strong side or weak side corner is really fun. And then Kendall Brown can mix it up down there too. And Mark Williams grabbing offensive work. I don't know. I, I like this team, but Jabari I'm absolutely in love with. So um, I'm with you. I'm, I'm yeah. The personality though. That's the thing I love oh, about yeah. him. The personality he's got yes. like F you. He's confident. He like, he feeds like that, that mm. shot where he, he the, the pull up three pointer, right? Like, it was like he absorbed the energy from the crowd. And then like when he hit the shot, it just exploded. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love that. Like, I like, like an X players. Right. Exactly. Which X-Men does that? I don't, I don't even know. Jubilee. I have no idea, but like he can, <laughs> he can freaking, it's like <laughs> Jubilee was not the right answer. Jesus Christ. Um, But he can like, it really feels like he lives in the moment and enjoys the moment. And he's like, I'm here. 
right? He's like, I, I yep. live for this. And it's so exciting to watch players like that who are not freaking afraid. And he just exudes confidence and has the talent and the skill. And like, I love his feet. I can't talk about it enough. That's so weird. But I love his feet. I love how he moves defensively. It's so exciting to see him refine that part of his game as he moves to higher levels of basketball. It's going to be unbelievable. Like, I I think he's going to be a really good defender, and that that excites me. So, um, also good with his hands. Want to give him give him that as well. Very very quick hands. Uh, he speaking of like that energy. He um outside of that shot, there was one moment where he like was guarding out on the wing, and yes. he like tipped yes. the ball out of bounds, and the mm-hmm. crowd was going on crazy. the switch, right? Yeah, and he started like clapping and like mm-hmm. oh. pumping the crowd up. Come on, that was dope. Come on. I I, I'm like Ennis Cantor. I'm like Ennis Cantor right now. Uh, what? Flipping? What are you doing? <laughs> no. I, I just thinking about him play defense makes my nipples hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think Sebastian Shaw was the X-Men that absorbs the energy. He's a villain. Oh, yes. Um, yes. So let's keep away from your nipples. Um, <laughs> all right. I think that's that's... That's that's our fifty dollars that we invested in. You got uh, Jabari Smith, Ty Ty Washington, Christie, Kendall Brown, and Mark Williams. I got Kennedy Chandler, Jaden Ivy, Christie, Kendall Brown, and Mark Williams. And uh, look, if for our listeners, uh, I would love love if you played along with us. You went to you found the draft, uh, and I'll I'll post it um, with the the podcast link. Uh, go to no ceilings. Go to the draft initial player offerings look at the prices again chet's one his price is 30 marcus bagley is 30 his price is one build your team out five players 50 dollars to spend you have the entire first 30 guys build your team send it to us on twitter um so we could have some fun with it but uh albert all right what uh where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at GTG NBA at Alberto Gim um, is where you'll find me. I am like Corey. We're a part of the No Ceilings NBA Collective. We're loving life right now. We have, I don't know, we're like early stages celebrity status right now. <laughs> um, big names are shouting us out. You know, we're trying to stay humble and keep our ha- heads small enough that we can wear hats. But you know, that's kind of where we are right now. And it's been really exciting and a really good time. And before I go, Corey, before we say goodbye, I did want to say if he was on the list, I'm sure both of us, both of us would have had Hakez on our list yes. because this kid's been yes. freaking unbelievable. My God. But um, yeah, but guys, I appreciate everyone who's been riding with us. Um, I'll continue to throw out 90s NBA players out there um, for your enjoyment. But uh, that's enough for me, Luke Longley. <laughs> A lot of Chicago Bulls talk. I like it. Um, all right. And uh, you can find me at Corey Tullaba on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA is the collective account. Um, yeah, just the, the amount of support that we've gotten so far for the project has been really cool. And, um, you know, everybody on the team has been working really hard. So, you know, it's we're so early in the process that we're pumping out all this heat right now. Imagine the heat that we're, we're going to be throwing 99 mile per hour curveballs down the plate. God, Jesus. By the time the draft cycle's over, we're really fun stuff ahead. Um, definitely. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet and rated it and reviewed it, 
you know, five star, add a comment. That would be dope. And, um, you know, if you're watching the pod on Spotify, shout out to you. Um, we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun this episode. So thank you for rocking with us. And uh, we will be back next week, probably with a more traditional uh, episode since we'll have a little bit more than two or three games yeah. worth of game film to break down. But this was fun. And um, thanks for everybody for having fun with us. Until next time, we out. Peace. Peace.